backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio begins now. Hear the best in new music, artist interviews, stories from the road, and more. You are now backstage, and here's your host, Mothership. Hey, everybody. A few weeks back, I was hanging out with the Ashes Remain band in Germany and found out they've got some stuff about to happen. So I decided to call Josh this week for an update. Josh Smith from Ashes Remain. What are you up to today? It is another day of good old family life. That's all it is. Just kids and sports and all that stuff. (laughs) Super rock and roll. Let's start with giving a um, Reader's Digest version of the Ashes Remain history. (laughs) Well, it's funny. A couple days ago, uh, the 24th of October marks the exact 20-year anniversary of the day that our drummer uh, went into the studio to start laying down drums for our first uh, independent album. So 20 years ago. Wow. And we started just a few months before that. So, I mean, we really... We met each other, started writing songs, had no idea what we were doing, and immediately started playing shows and recording and just going for it. And that's really how the first, I don't know, 10 years of our, if you call it a career, went. We just kind of guessed at it, (laughs) bought a bus, and started booking shows. And um, I think our first label album came out in like 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. Up until then, you know, we were just... I mean, literally driving around the country. I remember the first time we left the state for any significant time. We were gone for three months, and um, we were booking shows as we went. Like, we had a few dates here and there around the country, and then we just started meeting people and booking shows. Everything was super blue-collar, like like kind of DIY, and um, I don't know. We just, here we are, still 20 years later. That's crazy. Now, you're out of uh, Baltimore, Maryland, right? Yeah, so we, we all live around, you know, north of Baltimore, but it's just easier to say Baltimore than explain all the little nowhere towns we live in. But I'm about 40, 45 minutes out of Baltimore, uh, the city. You guys were going strong back in the day. Of course, then families came along and kids. Yeah, I mean, we were we signed to, well, they were I&O Records, and then they turned into Fairtrade. Um, we put out an album called What I Become, which is still, hands down, our most popular album. Uh, if you look at pretty much any uh, streaming platform or anything like that. So that really kind of got us going. And then um, we changed over to BEC Tooth and Nail, did an album there in 2017. And yeah, like you said, I mean, we've all, we've all got kids now and crazy family lives, but uh, you know, God's got a sense of humor because somehow our streaming numbers and um, everything has just shot up over the course of the pandemic. And I, I don't, I don't, other than him, other than God, I don't really have an explanation for it. So we've done the least that we've ever done, and we're more popular than we've ever been. It makes no sense whatsoever. So but keep doing nothing, you're, and you're just going to you know, take off, man. Right? Just stay home. <laughs> apparently, that's all you got to do. But um, yeah, no this this Germany show where where we last saw you, loud and proud, was the second show we played since the pandemic started. And, wow. Um, and now here we are, we, BC, our record label is, they took a look at all the numbers and streaming and said, look, you guys got to make another record. Like this thing's still alive and it's doing great. And so that's what we're doing now. We're writing and um, trying to be smart about it. You know, we want to get a record out quickly and plan some smart touring and you know, get back out there. We'll come back to that later. Uh, but first, how did you guys meet? I'm originally, if you hear the hillbilly accent come through, it's I'm originally from Florida, and my dad, I was raised by an Alabama man. So I grew up in Florida. I moved up here in 2002. 
I knew that I wanted to do music. That was the only thing I knew. If I knew how the music industry worked, I would have moved to Nashville or LA or New York or, you know, 10 other towns. But I, I had connections here in Baltimore and around Baltimore. And I knew it was a big enough city. I knew there was a music scene that I could meet people to make music with. And so I, I just kind of blindly moved up here, took a job at a church, um, making, I think I was literally making 12000 a year. And uh, just packed up a, a little Penske or U-Haul or whatever it was and moved up here. But I, honestly, within less than two months, I had met the guys. And well, I already knew Ryan. He's our rhythm guitar player. He he was kind of the anchor to it all. Like, I really, really wanted to make music with Ryan. And um, here we are. I mean, literally, it, it happened so fast. It's so crazy. And all the time when we when we tell people, like, hey, what are you doing in Maryland? Like, I don't know, man. This is where I came in. It's like, you know, there's a plan outside of myself. Wow. You didn't put, like, ads in the paper or anything? You just kind of ran into each other? Yeah. I mean, well, like I said, I knew Ryan. So the second I moved here, he and I started writing songs and playing acoustic sets. And then Ben, our drummer, went to the church I took the job at. And then Rob, Rob is kind of the crazy story, our lead guitar player. I was, I was working at church, working in the summer at a, at a camp. And I was at a, a local college, Towson University, recruiting for the, for the camp, looking for counselors and, and all that stuff. Rob was there playing at this, whatever event it was at. And I remember watching him go, this guy, he's playing worship. So I knew he was holding back. I'm like, this guy's a monster on guitar and I can tell. <laughs> But when he comes over to talk, like I just talk about the camp because that was my job for the night. I didn't even think about, oh, I'm starting a band. I should talk to this guy. And like the second I left, it hit me. I was like, I'm an idiot. Like I should have <laughs> said something. I should have got his phone number or something. Well, a week later, me and the rest of the guys walk right into Rob at a local guitar center. He was there for a guitar competition. I'm like, okay, oh my this goodness. is crazy. Yeah, we lived like an hour apart at the time. So there was no reason I should have ever seen him again. Um <laughs> Yeah, just wow. What are the odds? Definitely a God thing. Exactly right. Yeah, there's it's all it was. And when I saw him, like, I don't I think I barely had said, hey, remember me? And then I was like, hey, I'm starting a band. I want to talk to you. <laughs> it's like so fast. It's like, dude, you got it. We got to try it. How many albums did y'all end up releasing so far? Let's see. We did um, Lose the Alibis was our first independent. Then Last Day Breathing. And then we did a, a EP called Red Devotion. Um, then we did what I've become. That's four. Uh, and you had a Christmas five. one, didn't you? Did you get the Christmas EP? That's right. So six total. If you count the EPs, um, four, if you just count the full lengths. And then we did a single called here for a reason. Um, that was digital only kind of thing. So the last thing you put out, well, you, the single came out, but I mean, the last album you put out was like 2017, right? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. And then we had you at Loud and Proud, I think, 2018. Is that right? It was, it was 2019. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, that, that was it. And then, of course, nothing happened for the next two years. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened for anybody. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I just I just remember one of one of my most vivid memories was I was side stage and you came off the stage and you were like so hyped. <laughs> and you were like, this is the best thing ever. Uh, was that like the first time y'all had done any, a show in a while or? It had probably been a little while. Not not like it has been now. It had probably been a couple months or something. Um, yeah. I, I think just the experience of being, we played everywhere in the States. I mean, I mean, literally, I think we played like 45, 46 states. We played in Canada and it's great. But, you know, from all your time over there, that is an entirely different fan base. Yes. It is. The response over there 
it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. They know every word of every song, and everyone from the front to the back of the venue is singing. <laughs> yeah. And, and in fact, this year, like, I think my favorite moment, believe it or not, was the acoustic set because it's that smaller room. You yeah. can't budge. Everyone's shoulder to shoulder. And they're so loud that, like, yeah. there are moments where I couldn't hear us. And they were literally singing guitar hooks. <laughs> like, I've never been to any concert in the States for any band where I see that kind of reaction. Like, so it's just yeah. amazing. Like we, we love it. And for context, each band at loud and proud does a smaller side stage acoustic, the opposite day of their main stage performance. And you know, I, I check our Spotify numbers all the time and Germany is always number two to the U S like they're always right there. But I mean, you, you know, the scene is over here. Like, People come out, but there it's very important. Like you can tell. Yeah. Like the the first year we met the twins from Moscow, and yeah. I think their round trip was something like thirty six hours. I'm like, this is crazy. Like mm-hmm. I, no one does that over here. Like if a band you love is three hours away here, most people are like, oh, oh I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these people are like taking whole vacations just to go enjoy music. Like, it's oh, they're gonna play cool. at the Walmart that's five minutes away. I just, I just, uh, yeah. I've already bought my Walmart stuff this week. <laughs> uh, I'm really tired right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this is. This has been echoed with some of the other people that we spoke with because we sold tickets to 23 different countries and um, had 1,200 guests, uh, which, you know, you had the bands and the volunteers, about 1,400 people were in there. Yeah. Or just in an interview with Nate Parrish. And there was a, a man who flew 22 hours from Australia just to see Cutlass. Yeah. Yeah. It was his only chance of ever getting to see them and to tell them what they meant to him, you know? I totally get it. Yeah, like like the the girls from Moscow. I wish I could remember their names, but I remember they told me how far they drove, and I was like, "Oh, to see all these bands." And they're like, "No, to see you." I was like, "Hold on, what?" <laughs> and I was like, "Why?" I said, "Why would you do that?" Which, and looking back, is a rude thing to say. But she was like, "Why? Well, you've never been to Europe. I don't I don't know when we're gonna see you again." I'm like, "That is wild." They have to take advantage of every opportunity. You're listening to Backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio. Backstage with Mothership returns after this. This hour of music is made possible in part by our business ministry partner, TPI Professional Print and Marketing Solutions, specializing in posters, flyers, banners, and more. Rethink your print. More info on the web at printingandaken.com or by calling 803-226-7898. I like band stories. Do you have one you'd like to share? Well, I've shared this one a lot, but it, it, I think it's... It's powerful to me. Um, when we were signed to Fair Trade Records, that's a, the label that we put out, What I've Become. Um, and it, it had been a couple of years of kind of radio silence. We weren't hearing from them. And, you know, record labels hold the power when you're in that situation. Oh, yeah. You don't really get to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore or whatever. Or this is what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they don't. They can sit fine. on it if they want to. <laughs> they totally can. Um, so I finally just called our and our guy and said, Hey man, like, are we, are we doing another album or what? And, uh, he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one single. And if it moves the needle enough, we'll do an album. If it doesn't, we'll let you guys go. And I'm like, Hey, that's fair enough. You know, we can, we can move on and figure it out from there. But I, I wanted to make the next record. So that's when we did here for a reason. And I remember we put it out and I'm watching the charts every week and it, I think it got to like number 19 on the AC chart. And so, you know, for a band like us, like that's exciting. Like that's pretty cool. But for a record label, that doesn't, that means nothing. 
And so I remember uh, getting the call and it's like, Hey, like we're going to let you guys go. And I just remember going into this, not really a depression, not really a spiral, just kind of a moment of doubt. Like, what are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? Is this, are we doing the right thing? Are we supposed to be doing this? And I got an email from a radio station out of St. Louis. And basically the, the long story short is this, this young girl, I think she was 12 or 13, heard the song, didn't know who we were at all, but she had had literal plans to take her own life. And she heard the song that literally told her, like, if you're still breathing, you matter. Um, wow. And yeah, so this crazy thing. And so I ended up um, setting up a Skype call with this girl through the station. Me and my wife sat and talked with her and got her story. It was just a moment of God saying, listen, man, like there's success. And then there's actual things that matter. If you only wrote that song for that one girl, you need yeah. to be happy about that. And, and that's, that's happened many times with different songs. And yeah. it continues to just teach me that like, this is, this is the why behind it all. Like there are songs that have changed my life, songs that have saved my life. Um, and that's why we do it at the end of the day, period. And it's easy, you know, as an artist, when you're, when you're trying to feed your family, when you're trying to make a run at it as a career to start looking at charts and numbers and sales and all that stuff and get caught up in it. Um, and, and you should be aware of it as an artist. You shouldn't ignore those things. You right. should know what's happening and be smart. Um, but you really just got at the end of the day, give it back to the Lord. Yeah. Is there any, been a, any particular song that you wrote that maybe changed your life, you know, had an impact on you that uh, you didn't expect? Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's a song without you. Um, I wrote it about my wife and I, and it's, you know, a lot of people see it as a worship song and that's totally fine. You You can use it in that respect. But our first year of marriage was a nightmare. And we took the rings off and there was, there was a good long time there where we didn't know if we were going to work. And so I wrote that song during that. Um, and if you go back and listen to the lyrics now, <laughs> it becomes pretty clear what it was about. And, and God's amazing. We made it through it. She's amazing. We've grown every year exponentially closer and stronger and better. But it was, that song was fine until a couple of years ago, uh, July of 2021, we played our first show since the pandemic. And we're playing our hometown club and we launched in that song and I've sang it a hundred times about look out and I see her and it just all came flooding back of what we made it through. And I'm literally like just tearing up on stage singing this, this dumb song that I've sang so many times, but the, it just shifted like something. And now every time, like I remember singing it loud and proud, it just, I don't necessarily cry every time, but I am a wreck inside and out. Um, in a good way. Like, I don't know how yeah. to explain that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So this is funny because it's been around since whatever, 2010. And now like having gone through, you know, 12 years of marriage and survived what we survived, it just means the world to me. Yeah. You know, when you're in the middle of a situation, sometimes you're just surviving yeah. over time. You kind of gain a perspective of things you've gone through. Sometimes you realize it was part of your growth, an important part, even though it was tough while you were there. So definitely. How have your priorities in life changed since the beginning of the band? Does touring look a lot different? Do you, do you think differently now? Oh, definitely. You know, we, we were children, basically, when we started. <laughs> yeah. I, I was 22 when we started the band. Gosh. We had zero responsibilities, no real, nothing tethering us to anything. And so that's why I said one time when we left for three months and booked as we went, like, that was fine. And it was good. And I don't regret, like, those times were great. Um, 
you know, but then you get more rooted. And then we one by one all got married. And, you know, that was that was one level of, OK, things have to look different. And we and we didn't do it well at first. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. did not start out as great husbands or great fathers in that respect, you know, because we still had that hungry mindset of like, no, we have to we have to drive 700 miles for 500 bucks because this is what we do. You know? yeah. And um, that, that part of the process was hard. But yeah, then when the kids all started coming. Yeah, yeah, it's totally different. Like now, like loud and proud, like, you know, we flew in, we flew out. Like we yeah. got there, we did the job, and Saturday night we were driving to the airport. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, like... you know, it's just, that's how it is. Like we we have to tour smart. We have to record yeah. smart. Like we, I, I don't want to be, and I've been that guy who talks about how marriage is your first ministry and then you don't live it out. Like that just can't, that can't be the deal anymore ever. Um, and, the, and the kids, I mean that's that's our legacy all of us like and we all know that like i love this band i'm happy to be in it but but my son my daughter like they're just their first that's it yeah i think that's great gives you a little bit more depth to what you're writing now oh yeah definitely so you said you've got some stuff going on let's let's hear some more details oh we've got um just on the top of my head i mean there's over 10 songs that are in different forms of summer more or less completely finished some are half finished some are beginning of ideas but like there's a whole record worth of stuff kind of flying around right now like we're sending voice memos back and forth um i'm spending a lot of my free time on the weekend sitting up writing so we're i mean we're being aggressive with it we don't want to dilly dally or wait around like we're gonna get this record out but we want it to at least to us we want it to be the best thing we've ever done i can't speak for what the fans will think but yeah and we've we've told the label and they signed off. Like we've got pretty much complete creative freedom. Um, I, I told them because I mean, I don't know what your listeners are know about radio stuff or not, but it may be boring to them, but we've always been forced to put AC Christian AC radio songs, one or two of them on every album. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I lead worship. I like that kind of music, but it's not who we are as a band. Well, we're and solid so, rock radio, so we'll take your heavy. Well, there you go. No, well, that's that's we're just a rock band. Like I talked to the label, and they're like, "Nope, you got to do what you do." I said, I, "I basically said if a song like that comes out naturally, and we believe in it, no problem." But I'm not going to sit up at night and try to figure out how to please a radio format. So, well, uh, yeah, we don't have to please Becky. No, yeah, Becky. Becky's not. She's not on my friends list. No. Becky's one reason we have the Grizzly Awards. <laughs> yeah, that's no, great. Yeah, there needs to be more stuff like that. It's yeah. just—it's all got to be genuine. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it does. If that's your genre, fine. Yeah. And you've got and, your and people, you your ministry. Stretch. Yeah, you can stretch outside. But I say, like, I've met Matt Marr. I love Matt Marr. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. It just happens to fit that format. Yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? Like, he's awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah. But we just got to be us. There's no yeah. other way to make music. Listening to Backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio. Check us out on Facebook at I'm with Mothership. Now remind me again, what was the label? We're uh, BC Tooth and Nail. Famous Cutlass, um, Seven Time Down. A million bands in the past have been on it that you would know. I just can't think of the list off the top of my head. I used to love those compilations Tooth and Nailed in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Is there a set time frame for the release of this album, or are you taking a more laid-back approach? No, there's no there's no, um, no time frame yet. We just got the official uh, engagement letter. Okay. So things will start heating up pretty fast now. Uh, so we're 
we're setting up a rehearsal space and, and all that stuff so we can put all these songs and pieces of songs together. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, we haven't picked a producer yet. I mean, there, there's a lot to happen, but I don't think it's going to, I would like to see it be out personally um, early to middle of next year, which is, I mean, okay. middle of next year is probably, if I'm being honest, the soonest it could all happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to wait around. Yeah. Too many moving parts to go yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. We we don't want to take too long, but we don't want to put out something that's not what it's supposed to be. So, oh, this is exciting. I'm I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm looking for some hints. Can you tell us anything about the songs? There is somewhat of a theme developing kind of naturally, um, and we don't have it. We don't have a title, but um, kicked around the the ones you can't forget. Or it's there's a lot of people we've lost over the years and. Mm. Yeah. Stuff like that. So there, there's there's songs for people, um, and that won't be the whole album, but there, there's quite a few, and um, they mean a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I won't I won't tell his story, but like one of our band lost uh, lost a child, lost a baby, and um, it's it's crazy to see that impact your brother and and, and his family and best friend, but also impact all of us. And um, you know, we every one of us could go down the line and, and calculate the losses. Um, so a lot, a good portion of this album is is for the people we love, the people we've lost, the stories we've heard, and you know, yeah. Um, it's heavy. I mean, not just musically, it's heavy content-wise. Yeah. You know, I think the the older we get, the wiser we get, and the more experiences we've had, we can relate to people more and the pain that they've had. Until you experience it yourself, I've lost two babies early on um, and went through infertility and all that. But, you know, you you don't realize till it happens you're part of a club that you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, uh, but there are a lot of people out there with that same hurt, been through the same thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And, and it makes you see, you know, whether it's happening to you or your best friend, it makes you, you talk about priorities earlier, like you, you really start to reprioritize when you're mm-hmm. like, oh, all of this, the yeah. band, the Spotify numbers, blah, whatever, none of it matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Like it does because it's affecting people's lives, but. I mean, it's just not, it's not as big as it used to seem, you know, I don't know. Having lost both parents in the last couple of years, it's like you're, you just examine your whole life. You're like going, yeah, I could be gone tomorrow, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it, it does, it makes you want to live more, makes you want to do more uh, and minister to more people to leave a legacy. Yeah, definitely does. What kind of passion projects do you work on when you're not doing the band? Honestly, there's just no time. I mean, we're like when I talk about kids in chaos, like we're coaching my son's basketball team. He's currently playing soccer. My daughter's playing soccer. I mean, the the schedule is just it's crazy. Like if you would have said, let's have this interview like any other time, I'd be like, there's just no way. It's so your nuts. passion like, project is your family. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Sports is a crazy thing. And then when you have more than one kid and they're both doing it, it's like, geez. <laughs> That's all you do is a shuttle bus. That's it, yeah. <laughs> you said earlier you were in ministry. Is that what you do when you're not either shuttling kids to sports events or doing the band? Yeah, yeah, I work at my church. Um, okay. I'm the, the associate pastor, but I'm largely over the music. Um, obviously, that would be a fit. 
Um, Why would yeah, they choose I mean, you for that? I, yeah, I, it's it's more than that. Like I do speak. Um, I'm in the speaking rotation oh, and, uh, over some small groups and stuff like that. Okay, just kind of help take pressure off the pastor mainly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna get back to touring. I'm gonna ask you because I always ask this because I do bring snacks to bands. What is yours or Ashes Remains favorite road snacks? Favorite road snacks. Everyone would probably say something different. Um, for me, I'm not a big snack guy. Like, I don't care about sweets. I'm not really a big chips guy. Like, mm-hmm. my struggle is I always want, like, a burger or a steak or mashed potatoes. <laughs> you want a meal. Um, I know, yes, for real. Um, yes, yeah, on the bus, man. I don't know. I mean, there always was, like, chips and stuff around like that. What's your favorite soda. drink? Like a, I Just Coke, honestly. <laughs> It's just a no nonsense, dude. Steak and potatoes, man. That's it. Yeah, give me some sweet tea or Coca Cola with it, and I'm happy. All right, favorite restaurant? Chili's. Oh, you didn't even hesitate. No, I've always loved it. I worked there for like 10 years, too, and I still (laughs) love it. What's your favorite thing on the menu? Mm, The original chicken crispers. Oh, those are so good. I know. They're delicious. Yeah. My dad always wanted to have baby back ribs. Mhm. Also, call. That was his. That was his favorite place to eat. And he was in the nursing home, and I would pick him up every two weeks and take him to Chili's. That's, That's where he always wanted to go. Yeah. And near the end of his life, different times, his memory would be blurrier than others, mm-hmm. and he'd say, "Where are we going to go?" I said, "Chili's." And he says, "Have we been there before?" I said, "Yes." <laughs> and he's like, "What do I like to eat there, or what have I got?" I said, "I started telling him about the food and everything," and he says, "I've heard of cheesecake before, but I've never had it." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh, you're going to love it." So I am telling you, I took him to Chili's. He didn't remember ever having eaten there before. And I got to watch him enjoy his favorite meal again for the very first time. Oh, that's kind of beautiful. Right it there. was beautiful. And then when the cheesecake came, he goes, where's the cheese? Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> so thank you for your service at Chili's. Yeah, you yes. got it. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I appreciate you calling. I know you're a busy guy. And I yeah, can't no, wait you. to find out what you guys have got in store for us. And no, I'm um, excited to see it myself. Yeah, and then we can maybe we get you back to loud and proud to let those folks yeah, hear. Yeah, beautiful. I would love it. Okay, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you hopefully on the road at some point. Yes, ma'am. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. A good friend of the rock and metal scene, Chad Finner of Concert Photos, is recovering from a major heart attack he suffered while photographing at the Petra 50th anniversary concert last week. In true Chad form, he was more upset about missing the chance to photograph Petra than his own condition. Chad is one of Backstage with Mothership's most loyal listeners, and I appreciate his kind and encouraging words after every show. So I know you're listening, Chad. From Solid Rock Radio and Mothership, we're praying for you to get back to health soon, and for Lisa and your doctors as you move forward to get healthy and out there at the venues again. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great music and check out my blog page on the Solid Rock Radio website for my guests' social media links. If you've missed any of my past interviews, you can find them uploaded to podcast.solidrockradio.org. Have a wonderful week and let's be kind to one another.